Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is Rob Pozzola of Prediction Machine. Rob, how's it going, man? Good. How about you, Dmitry? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited. The uh, the season's starting, and with that means that we've got a fresh batch of uh, of over under point totals for the for the season for all thirty teams to kind of uh, sort through and find our uh, best and worst bets. Yeah, it's always exciting this time of year. I love going through NHL preseason and looking at these point totals and trying to find some value. Uh, for some season-long wagers. I love sweating those season-long wagers in the last month of the year, or especially at trade deadline when you got some overs or unders on some teams and you're looking for them to make a big deal or a splash to maybe uh, help you get there. Yeah, it's kind of a fun thing to follow as the season goes along. And I know you're a, you're a much more experienced sports better than I am, so I'm, I'm happy I've, uh, I've enlisted your help to help me wade through all this. Yeah, I'm glad to help out for sure. Uh, so just before we get started, just so everyone's on the same page, we're, we're using... Um, Bovada or, or Bulldogs lines. I've been told they're not the best and you can find better values out there. And, and honestly, these lines came out a while ago. So, uh, the smart betters have already taken advantage and wagered on them. And, and so the lines have moved quite a bit, but you know, we'll just use it right now as a general framework for simplicity's sake and we'll go from there. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a good point about the lines having moved already. So some of them have settled in. The one thing about Bovada or Bodog compared to other books and why I think it's a good idea to use them is they offer season point totals, whereas a lot of the other books um, like Pinnacle or I guess Five Dimes, any of the other books offering props are offering win totals, which I prefer a lot less. I prefer to go with the point totals. I think they're easier to project. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's, it's easier to visualize too for the listeners. So I think, I think, an interesting team here for me is the uh, is the Anaheim Ducks because their line right now is at is at ninety six and a half, which is a, a, quite a bit of a departure from where they've been in in the past few years, where they've been one of the better better teams in the Western Conference. And I think a lot of that has to do with people being very skeptical of the coaching change they made and the job Randy Carlisle is going to be there. And, I, and I'll let you speak to that in a second. As a man who lives in Toronto and, and lived through the Randy Carlisle era, I'm sure you have some thoughts. But it, the interesting thing that caught my attention right away is that uh, their over is actually uh, plus one one hundred five, whereas their under is minus 135 which correct me if i'm wrong but that basically means that the book is kind of trying to tempt you to to bet the over there i don't know if it's a temptation uh so to speak 
I think what a lot of that is probably they've taken some early action on the under. Mm -hmm. So they've now juiced that price a little bit more to make it more costly. I don't buy into the fact that the books are tempting anyone to do anything. I think they're just putting out a line there and seeing they're using the money bet on it to determine which way that they're going to shade that number. Mm -hmm. But it does show that people are betting Anaheim under early in the early going year. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. It's kind of tricky because at the same time, like I'd love to bet against Randy Carlisle, and and I think that that there's a lot of combustible factors there, and things really could go south in a hurry. But at the same time, at ninety six and a half, I, I, there is so much talent on that team that I could very easily see them, you know, hitting the over and, and reaching a hundred points. So I don't, I don't really know where to go with that one. Yeah, so for me, Anaheim is a team that I'll be looking to play against a lot this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a common theme for the top teams in the West this year is questionable goaltending. I think aside from the Kings, with Quick being largely overrated, but still being a pretty good goaltender, I think you look at the top teams in the West, and I'm not sure that that Anaheim duo of Gibson and Bernier is really going to do much this year. I have that being one of the worst duos in the league Mm -hmm. going into the season. Uh, again, the coaching, I think, could play a factor. Now, it's very tough to value that early in the year. I, I really don't know what to do with Anaheim, and I really don't know what to do with a lot of situations where there are new coaches coming into that. But I run a full season with the Anaheim Ducks, and I get them at about 92.5 points on average, mm. which would be an underplay at, at 96.5. So I, I don't think it's a strong one at all, but I, I, I'm not high on the Ducks team going into this year. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Um, two of the biggest risers sticking in that same division in terms of where they finished last year and then where their lines are at right now are, are the two Alberta teams. Uh, Calgary's at 89.5 and Edmonton's at 88.5. And, and I don't know, I, I think from Edmonton's perspective, it makes sense. There's so much optimism. You just view Connor McDavid. I mean, he was so amazing in the flashes we saw in his rookie season. And now if they get a full year of him, like he could really just elevate that team on on a consistent basis and 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 drag them to that total but for calgary it's it's a bit confusing to me because all i really see there is i mean they obviously kind of tried to shore up their goaltending with brian elliott and and they were so putrid there in net last year that that could make a big difference and they made the and made the coaching change but i'm not sure that i necessarily see them as being that much of an improved team from last season yeah, I think you I think you nailed it with the coach. Uh, sorry, excuse me, with the, the goaltending with Brian Elliott. And I don't think the average fan realizes how important goaltending is and actually how good Brian Elliott has been throughout his career. He's never going to be that guy that's flashy or anything, but he's got the job done. And just by having him in net, if he can come close to, let's say, somewhere around a 93% save percentage at even strength this year, that makes Calgary a much better team. I would look at playing the over on Calgary just barely. Again, it's tough because they struggle to keep the puck. Their Corsi numbers over the past few years have been bad. Their forward group, outside from the top you know, five or six forwards, it's nothing. I really like the back end with the top three there, Jordano, Hamilton, and Brody. Again, I like Elliott. I think Calgary is improved this year. I'd be looking to play the over slightly there with Edmonton. I'm not sure I buy it with Edmonton. I think 88 is a good line. I think that's roughly around where they'll finish. Again, the defense uh, with the Oilers is still going to be a major issue this year. Trading uh, Hall for Larson, that really doesn't improve them all that much this year. I'm not a big Larson fan at all. I think that was a horrible deal. So 88 seems just about right, or 88 and a half with Edmonton this year. Yeah, they really didn't do themselves any favors with that. I feel like if they kept Taylor Hall, and, and so I, I'd feel much more optimistic about betting the over on that line. Yeah, we can, you know, we can talk about the Taylor Hall trade forever. I, I just think if they got a horrible, horrible return. I know that they were, you know, looking for a defenseman that, but 
they could have either held on, they could have looked to get P.K. Subban in some sort of deal. Um, obviously, with him being available, I just think that that was a really, really bad return for one of the better forwards in the league. Mm. So when you look at all these lines, what what kind of sticks out to you as, as let's go let's optimistic perspective first. Which one is something to you that you look at and you go, hmm, I'm not sure why it's that low. I'll gladly bet the over on that. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because I look, I look at the Arizona Coyotes and I see a number which is the lowest in the league right now. It's the lowest point total in the league. And I don't think Arizona is the worst team in the league. There's not a whole lot I like about them. I don't like Mike Smith as a goaltender. I don't think they're particularly deep. I think that they're, they have some decent depth at forward and defenseman, but you know, they're probably one of the worst five teams in the league. But you look at a line there and, you know, last time I checked 77 and a half points, I think that's too low. I see this team getting roughly 82 to 83 points on average in my simulations. The only issue with betting the coyotes is obviously you run into that situation where, you know, if they're out of it by the deadline, which is, quite possible they may be looking to unload and we, we see that a lot of times um and, and that's what's particularly tough to gauge with win totals i you know 77 and a half i think that's way too low lower than than it should be i think buffalo's a worse team vancouver uh i would argue carolina and colorado are even worse than arizona or close to being worse than arizona so that's one that stands out to me but it's it's just a little bit more of a risk because of that potential of unloading players later on in the year yeah, no, I, it's always kind of dicey to uh, bet the over on teams where you're not sure if necessarily they're even going to be trying to win as the year goes along, right? Like, obviously, they have a lot of young talent there, and it's quite possible that, you know, they could play exciting hockey as they did last year. But I'm sure that that management group would be perfectly content with them having another year where they bring in a top pick and, and, and bolster that uh group of young players they have even more and kind of go after it next year instead so that would be that would, that would be the the one thing that would kind of scare me off from that one exactly and you know I, I try to remove all of you know the human bias from what i do and everything i do is very methodical and it's very math oriented and another one that i look at right away when i you know i, I sim the season and then i plug in the win totals is ottawa over and Ottawa as a team, I'm not a big fan of Ottawa. I obviously love Eric Carlson. Again, I like some of their top-end forwards. And I think Craig Anderson's a decent goalie. I think that goalie situation is, is decent in Ottawa. Um, but that's a team as well where I would love to bet the over at, uh, I believe it was 83 and a half, yep. which I think is too low. But that's another situation where I think that team could find themselves outside of the mix at the deadline or not close to a playoff spot, possibly, because I do think that there are some you know, teams in the East that are pretty good this year. So that's a tough one for me. I think the number is low, but uh, you know, I, I wouldn't risk as much as I normally would just because of the, the potential. You know, Ottawa realizes they're not going to get to a cup this year. If they have a chance to unload someone for a, a quality return, a young player or, or picks at the deadline, I think that they would do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, the interesting thing to me is, I mean, kind of circling back to to the uh, Arizona Coyotes as their line. I mean, it's interesting that I, I, from what I gather, them and the Canucks are the only two teams with lines under eighty points, and I feel like you know that that's that's being a little generous. I feel like there's going to be at least a handful of teams that are going to once again kind of be be pretty putrid. I mean, we saw last year. I think there was six teams total that finished with under eighty points. Like it seems like a given that that's going to wind up happening. So I guess you just got to pick out which ones you think are really going to falter or be sellers at the deadline and just pounce there. Right. And I, I think that's what tends to happen here. Cause when you're projecting before the year, there's a lot more parity, 
But as the, as the year goes on, injuries happen, and then we start to see teams fall out of playoff races and sell players, teams buy players, and, and that parity, you know, it's non-existent. It stretches, uh, whereas, you know, going into the year, I project Buffalo to be the worst team in the league mm-hmm. against, um, you know, any other team. With that being said, I have an expected goals for percentage for Buffalo of 45.2% which is quite high because in the past I would see teams in the low 40s, even, you know, a Buffalo team from a couple of years ago, I actually had them in the high 30s at one point. And again, I have Pittsburgh as the top team in the league with an expected goals for percentage of 56%. So there's not a big gap between top and bottom. It's about 11% right now. And, you know, by the end of the year, it'll be at least 15%, uh, maybe even higher. So I, I, you see a lot of parity earlier in the year. That's why the win totals are set this way. But as the season goes on, you do tend to see a lot of things that will affect, obviously, these win totals. And you do tend to see teams bottom out a lot quicker than, than you'd expect. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you bring up the Penguins last year. They finished with 104 points, and now their line is at 103.5, so it's right there. And, and it's not – generally, I'd be kind of skeptical of betting on a team that just had a long playoff run like they did, especially when you win the Cup. There is a little bit of that hangover. But it's not often that we see a team have that much success and then pretty much bring back the same roster, right? Like generally, as we've seen with the Blackhawks in years past, where uh, you have all these players, and then all of a sudden you win, and, and they get bigger contracts elsewhere, or you just can't afford them all anymore, and, and it kind of depletes the team's depth but the penguins should theoretically be the same team they were last year and if and you know the second half of the year was any indication they've kind of figured things out under under uh, mike sullivan so i'm kind of curious to see if that team can keep it going as the year goes along yeah i i love pittsburgh this season i do think that they're the best team in the league i think that they uh, are obviously the favorites to repeat and i would not be surprised at all if they do i've been projected for 103 points which is the most in the league which would be basically a no play but I completely agree. Like this is the the team to beat. There's no significant weakness on this team. Um, the puck possession is really good, especially like you mentioned after Sullivan took over last year. There's just a lot of depth on that team. They can survive a big injury. I think I think that that Pittsburgh team is rock solid. Well, and I mean, as as we mentioned, you know, you, you were discussing the parity at the start of the year when you're doing these projections, and if teams of the year goes along fall off and start just giving away games based on if it's injuries or if they start kind of you know not not so subtly tanking, then for the really good teams out there, there's going to be a lot more points to kind of uh, rack up and cushion that total. So I feel like the Penguins could pretty easily get get around that 110 range if everything goes right. Yeah, and like yeah, like you said, we're, we're we're talking about sort of the parity a little bit, but there's ten to twelve GMs that are probably going into this season realizing that their team's not going to win the cup, and they'll do anything to upgrade for the future. And that's always got to be something that you're cognizant of when you are betting these win totals. And as much as I think that there's some good value on some of these bad teams going over, I mentioned Ottawa, Arizona, Columbus would be another one. Um, you know, maybe even Carolina at a low number there, you do have to be aware that these teams will be sellers if they can be sellers. They're not playing for this year. So that's that's just something that everyone should be aware of when they are betting these win totals. Yeah. Well, okay. It's interesting you bring up Carolina because I was going to use them as my team that I'm optimistic on in terms of hammering the over just because they finished with 86 points last year and their line right now is at 81 and a half. And I look at that team and under Bill Peters, you know, there was a big mismatch between their underlying possession numbers and how they were actually producing. And a lot of that was because they had bad shooting luck and they were poor in net. And I'm a little frustrated that they brought back Cam Ward because last year when I, I viewed it as, you know, they're sort of, uh, 
they they were they knew what they were doing, right? It's a smart smart front office there. They they realized that they had a pretty interesting young kind of nucleus forming there, but they weren't going to be good enough to necessarily make the playoffs or or push anyone in the first round. So they would be, would be better off kind of submarining themselves and getting a getting a high pick. But I don't know. I look at them this year, and I, that's the one thing that would be that would be worrisome to me if they kind of keep riding Cam Ward. But at eighty one and a half, I feel like that's going to be a pretty easy over. Yeah, so obviously the goaltending is a huge issue there. Uh, Eddie Lack is an upgrade to Ward, but I probably do see them starting Ward more often than not. For some reason, that's been the trend. Uh, I agree with you. Like Carolina is a team that the possession metrics are good. I think they were actually over 50% last year, five on five, which you barely, you know, you rarely see from a team that ended up so poorly. But goaltending a major issue. And obviously, I think a lot of it is to do with the quality of their chances as well. Um, the shooting percentage, as you mentioned, very low. You know, I project it to be low again this year. This is something that's been a recurring trend for this Carolina team for years now. It wasn't only last year. It's been good possession, poor shooting percentage, probably stemming from less, you know, high quality chances and poor goaltending. I tend to agree with you. I think that the point, you know, their point total is about three and a half to four points too short. I don't think they're a great team by any means, but, um, you know, that that number is is a little bit low in my opinion. Yep. Um, so uh, I gather that you're kind of skeptical on these very high lines for the teams, whether it's the Capitals or the Lightning. I mean, the Capitals are at one hundred six one hundred six point five right now. The Lightning are at one one hundred five point five, and. I don't know. Do you think those are kind of suckers bets? Because obviously they're, they're, they're popular teams for the public and we know that they're very good, but you generally don't kind of want to be committing yourself to, to the best case scenario for those teams. Yeah, I would, I would only look to the unders for those teams. In fact, I'm looking at, at my edges against point totals right now and, and the top four unders would be, you're going to, there's a common theme here. They're Tampa Bay, Washington, St. Louis, and Chicago, mm-hmm. which are four teams that you'd think would be probably top 10 teams in the league heading into the year. But you tend to see inflated point totals because people aren't going to bet these numbers under. Bookmakers know that. They make the numbers a little bit higher. And, you know, that's what we get. That's not to say that I don't think that these are, well, especially in the case of Tampa Bay and Washington, I think those are two of the top four teams in the league. I think they're really good. I have them both averaging roughly 100 points a year, but the number is too high. Um, you know, just from a, a mathematical perspective. Now, Chicago, on the other hand, that's a that's a, an under that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the Blackhawks are an elite team this year. I think they're somewhere in the 10 to 15 range in the league. I don't think they're built to handle an injury to one of their top players. And th- that's the problem with this Blackhawks team. There's not a, a ton of depth. They're a very, very top-heavy team. They're getting some go- good goaltending in Crawford as well. But they're just... So much of their production comes from like a handful of players that if anything were to go wrong there, that could be a disastrous season, in my opinion, in Chicago. And already, even if I project everyone to be healthy for the whole year, I still see Chicago coming in way short of 100 points, roughly at around 95 a season. So I I think the Blackhawks are probably made for the, the best under on the board this season. Right. And I mean, you just look at that division and, and we, we expect that Winnipeg is going to be better. They kind of had a weird season last year where everything went wrong. And obviously they're pretty happy now that they have Patrick Laine and it was worth it for them. But we expect them to be quite a bit better. And, and Minnesota under Bruce Boudreaux should be at least as good as last year, if not better. So there's going to be just like fewer points there to go around. And 
you're right, if they have one injury to any of those guys. I mean, I think people don't realize last year just how reliant they were on Patrick Kane, the power play, and Corey Crawford. And now while all those three, all three of those things could conceivably continue just because those are really good players and they have a lot of talent on that team. So the power play should conceivably be good. It's, it's kind of a, a dicey thing to, to keep, keep relying on rather than, you know, the teams that have like a, a lot of depth that, that could sacrifice, that, that could go through the full 82 game season without those concerns. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm just not convinced. I, I look at the line combinations heading into the year. I see like Richard Ponick playing on the second line with Jonathan Taves, and I'm just you know I I have serious concerns over the depth there. And you're right, you know a lot of the stuff that went well for them last year. Patrick Kane is an elite player. He probably has another great year. Mm-hmm. The power play was great. Well, it makes sense. You know they have Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook on the back end. They have a lot of high power offensive players. Corey Crawford was great, and that could all happen again. But you know. It would have. It would just have to be a perfect season for Chicago. Let's remember they were, at, I think, 103 points last year as well, with all these things going right. Yep. And now we see a win total this year of 101 and a half. So basically, everything went right for them. They got 103 points. I, you know, if anything goes wrong this season, or or they don't get production from um, Kane like it was last year, or the power play, or Crawford is, you know, marginally worse. I think they're they're definitely a sub one hundred point team this season. Hmm. So I I just did a show with uh with Michael Blake McCurdy and we were discussing his prediction model and he has the L A Kings as the best team in the West, uh, just over a hundred points. I personally prefer the Nashville Predators. I'm I'm a bit worried about uh, relying on Pekka Rene there because we have seen his performance decay so much in the past few years. But there's so much talent on that team that that. I'm pretty optimistic that, I mean, their line's at 99 and a half, so it's not the, you know, the best value, but I definitely see that team hitting, hitting the over a hundred pretty easily. Yeah. So actually it's interesting that you mentioned that. So I, I do things very, very similarly to the way Micah does. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we communicate quite often about our models and we sort of work with each other to help each other improve, or at least we talk about things and a lot of my opinions will, will echo the same sentiments that he has. The problem I see with Nashville is obviously Pecorine. Uh, mm-hmm. Aside from that, that is an elite team. The, the defense is fantastic, uh, top to bottom. The, you know, the forward group is not the greatest in terms of, you know, high-quality players, but they have a lot of good players there. I really think that that's a good Nashville team that needs a goalie. And, I, I, you know, at 99.5, that would be an under to me until they actually did pick up some sort of goaltender, which is possible this season at some point, although Rene makes a lot of money. It'd be tough to unload him. Um, I think they're about $5 million short of the cap, so it could happen. But, you know, that's an under to me. In, in terms of the Kings, I see the same things that Micah does. The only problem is that that's an aging team. Mm-hmm. They're getting older. The puck possession is still fantastic, and we know that that correlates to success. They still have a slightly above-average goalie in Jonathan Quick. You know, I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses with L.A. Maybe in terms of depth, you could argue that they're a little bit weak at forward. But at um, 97.5 points, I would lean over to that on the win total for L.A. as well. Yeah, I mean, they were at 102 last year, and I figure they'll at least kind of just be the team that they were last year. So that seems like you're getting a four or five points of cushion there. Yeah, the thing with L.A. last year, too, if we remember, they, they got out of the gates really hot while Anaheim was struggling. Mm-hmm. And then L.A. sort of faltered a bit down the stretch and they, they looked kind of tired. I don't like to use those narratives, but they looked tired against San Jose in the playoffs. Now, granted, San Jose has a lot, a lot of speed, and um, but I, I, L.A. faltered down the stretch. It is an old team. 
it, it is tough, you know, to, to adjust for age. Um, so, you know, I, I would lean to over. It's not something that I would be very comfortable in playing, though. I do think the Kings are a very good team, but I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sold on, uh, on that team because of their age. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about the Leafs because you're very familiar with them. And I think they're an interesting case study here because from what I gather, their line opened up somewhere in the seventies and now it's up to 81 and a half. And even the over is a minus one thirty five, which <clears throat> as we discussed at the start of the show, uh, implies that fans have been hammering that, that over pretty hard. So I, I still think that at 81 and a half, it's, it's quite conceivable that they could it could still provide a good value just based on the fact that, I mean, the the problem with this team last year, it's very similar to Carolina in the sense that you could see the, the, the skeleton of a good system there, right? Under the coach, they were playing a good puck possession game, but they just kind of lacked the talent up front to actually convert on those opportunities. And now we're seeing with a youth, youth movement there, we're going to have a full season of Nylander and Austin Matthews, and they could convert many, many more of those opportunities. So do you like the over on that? I do. I think it's a little bit low. And, you know, I, I am a Leafs fan, but uh, unbiased, I just think that that number is a little bit low there. I actually have them at about 86 and a half points uh, average simulation. I, I, listen, there's not a whole lot that the Leafs are going to do well, you know, in terms of uh, their talent level. Definitely, there are some question marks there, especially when you start looking at, you know, their third and fourth line forwards. You know, aside from Gardner, Riley, Zaitsev, um, you know, they are still dressing Roman Polak and, and Matt Hunwick, which is a major problem on defense. But they do upgrade their goaltender in Frederick Anderson. Um, they got some really poor goaltending a season ago. So that's already going to improve their numbers quite drastically. And, it, you know, I think a lot of these top line, you know, these these younger kids that be playing on the top two lines. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential there and, and not only potential, but I think they come into the league with a good talent level already. I don't see those guys as, as projects or anything like that. I think those guys are ready to contribute right away. So I don't necessarily think the Leafs are going to make the playoffs or anything. Probably have about a 15 to 20% shot of making the playoffs this season. But in terms of uh, this point total, I definitely think it's still a little bit too low. Mm. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you're a Leafs fan and, and you kind of you can separate yourself from that. Is it just one of those things where it takes time to kind of you have to do this for a certain amount of time before you can kind of be more cold blooded and just separate yourselves and not necessarily be emotional, but just kind of uh, think with your head rather than your heart? I, I actually it, I think it depends on the individual and what the, you know, the individual person values. And for me. Uh, I wouldn't bet on sports if I wasn't winning money or if I, you know, was an opportunity to win money. I, I you know, I'm not some sort of uh, degenerate gambler where I need the action on a game or anything. I do it as an investment type of thing. Right. And if you're not willing to separate, you know, the heart from the mind uh, for investment purposes, then you know, I don't really think you, you're really losing an edge in the in the long term. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I think that, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of any teams, but if I was putting money on it, I, I would, it, it's kind of tough to not let your uh, personal biases get in the way. I was discussing this with Micah where like the Edmonton Oilers seem like they could very conceivably hit the over or, or, or be much better this season. But I've also watched the Edmonton Oilers over the past, what, decade now be kind of the laughing stock of the league and everything. Whenever you think something's going to go right, all of a sudden there's a comedy of errors and it goes horribly wrong. And I would just feel very uneasy kind of being attached to that situation. Yeah. And, you know, my whole philosophy is that, especially with the way I bet on sports and not specifically hockey, but, you know, 
obviously applies to hockey is, you know, everything can is quantifiable in some way. So I, I, I'm very much a math guy and I very much believe in data, you, you know, using data to arrive at, at percentages on, and probabilities on things happening. Mm-hmm. And you, once you believe in that and you believe in what you're doing, you can pretty easily separate, um, you know, the, the data from what you're watching or, or the narratives. You know, I, I, I talk a lot about experience and how it doesn't matter and people sort of look at me and they're like, well, you know, obviously experience matters. And it's like, no, it really doesn't. You know, we, we see year after year, especially in hockey, you know, young teams go to the playoffs. At, you know, even the Chicago Blackhawks, the first time they won the cup, you know, several years ago now. But that was a very, very young team with very little playoff experience. And I, I just, you know, I, I like I said, I'm just a believer in things being quantifiable. And if you can't quantify them, then they don't really exist. Yeah, no, you're totally right about that. Um, so are there any, before we get out of here, are there any lines that we didn't get to yet that you think are noteworthy, whether they're too high or too low, or, or do you think we kind of hammered it all out? I sort of touched on it a little bit, but I St. Louis under, I did mention that I think that some of these top teams are a little bit overvalued. St. Louis at 101 and a half, I think is a little bit too high. Um, they downgrade at goalie, in my opinion, from Brian Elliott to, to Jake Allen. And that is enough of a difference, in my opinion, to already make up for um, the points in the total. And also just, uh, again, like I just I just view that as a little bit of an inflated line. People expect the Blues to be pretty good. Um, and they are. They're a top 10 team in the league. I'm just not buying them as, as a 100-point team this season. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we just discussed how... Uh, like with the Oilers, for example, how it, it would be kind of sketchy to be relying on a team like that. And, and it makes sense that uh, they would set these lines this high for the teams that we know are, are kind of universally regarded as being good, because obviously people are going to feel more comfortable being like, oh, I, I, I think that, you know, I just watched the Blues go far in the playoffs. Obviously, they're going to be good again. So I'm going to hammer the over because I don't want to be the person betting against them. But then that's where the value presents itself for the smart bettors like you. Right. And when, you know, I have my spreadsheet open here and when I sort the teams from one to 30 in the league based on how I project them and then I look at the edges on the totals, you know, I look at the upper half of the league and I'm seeing, you know, the majority of the plays would be on an under and I'm looking at the lower half of the league and seeing the majority of the plays would be on the over. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not a given necessarily. Like I I mentioned earlier, Buffalo's a bad team. Colorado's a bad team. I'd still like the unders there. And, you know, in terms of good teams, um, you know, Florida maybe would be a, a possible over uh, a team like Philadelphia, who I think is quite underrated going into the year. And I think that they don't, Steve Mason doesn't get the credit that he deserves for being a really good goaltender. I think that'd be another over to look at. But in general, I think that that sort of applies where you're probably going to get your best value on taking unders on really good teams and overs on poor teams. I'm glad you brought up the Flyers because they're a team I definitely like as the over. I mean, they finished with 96 points last year, and we remember they had that uh, frenzied run towards the end of the year that vaulted them into the playoffs, and they and they pushed the Capitals pretty hard. But they're 92 and a half right now, and I'm just I'm not necessarily sure why we'd expect them to be worse than they were last year. I mean, the the biggest weakness on that team was the blue line, especially after Michael Delzato went out with injury, and mm-hmm. now Delzato's back, and 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 Ivan Provorov, their top pick from two years ago, looks amazing in preseason 
season and I expect that he's going to get a long look to start the year and could conceivably carve out a nice spot there and and all of a sudden once once you have these guys that can move the puck from the back end and cleanly exit their own zone all of a sudden it sets everything up for guys like Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and uh, I, I think that the Flyers isn't over it seems like a, a bet that makes a lot of sense. I agree with the Flyers there. I like the back end and, you know, but particularly what I like with the Flyers, especially if you're betting an over on the win total, a lot of times what will hurt you when you bet these overs is an injury to a goaltender. And the Flyers have two good goalies in Mason and Neuberth. So that's a a big factor there where you don't really have to sweat if one of the goalies goes down. You know that you're going to have a quality backup no matter what. You know, you can't say the same for that for about, you know, 20 to 25 other goalie situations in the league. So I think that's a, I think the Flyers are a really good overplay this year. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Rob, where can people find your, your work online and, and kind of direct their hate towards you if, if you said any bad words about uh, one of their teams? Yeah, you can, everyone can follow me on Twitter at Rob Pizzola. Uh, I do my best to respond to everyone, and I will respond. If, you, if people do direct hate to me, I will respond. I am a, a fiery guy, so uh, that's there. Uh, I also am the general manager of PredictionMachine.com. We will be doing a lot more hockey stuff this year. It hasn't been notoriously been a hockey website, but I will be putting my stamp on that this season as well if people want to check it out there. Perfect. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks for taking the time, man, and we'll get you... We'll get you back on as the year goes along to kind of recalibrate and see where we went right, where we went right, and where we went wrong. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks, Dimitri. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dimitri Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com/slash Hockey PDO Cast. <laughs>